Welcome to The Last American Vagabond. I got Derek Bros joining me today for an update on a very important story he's been covering in regard to David Lee Hamblin. And, and th this is a, 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 an important follow-up for something that was widely disputed and dismissed by a lot of people that, you know, either didn't want to see what this was becoming or wasn't, you know, refusing to be objective about the evidence on the table. And now we've seen some resolution, at least in, in a, you know, and I would argue in a positive direction of accountability. So Derek is here to catch us up on what's going on in the story. How are you, Derek? Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for having me on, brother. I appreciate that. And uh, appreciate everybody who has been following along with this coverage. I know it's been sometimes difficult and gruesome and even the details are kind of tedious, but I do appreciate everybody who is keeping up with us in this important story. Absolutely. And just, I just want to make sure people see this right out of the gate. Um, and we I keep this updated based on Derek's recent coverage. This is the, the page. Well, this will be in the show notes for the overall investigation and the, the term coined actually by, Oh, pardon me. Something hurting my eye all of a sudden coined by the Utah police department, uh, the Utah ritual that, you know, they're the ones, my point calling it ritualized sexual abuse. And this is the Utah ritualized sexual abuse investigation. So far, Derek has written, uh, eight different parts. And we're discussing today the update in regard to David Lee Hamblin and, and, and what has, uh, his arrest as well as, uh, some new charges. So go ahead, Derek, and uh, start wherever you'd like. Yeah, sure. So I'll just kind of briefly recap. I do want to encourage everybody to go check out that page that Ryan just showed with the previous seven articles, um, as well as the number of interviews. We've probably done seven interviews as well with every one of those articles on mm -hmm. T-Lab. So if you need to get caught up, go ahead. There's a lot of details, especially in terms of the sort of side investigations like that one went into the ritual abuse in Utah in general. Then we did one focused on the history of ritual abuse within the Mormon church, which is you know, largely in Utah. And then part seven or part six right there was about uh, the hmm. alleged satanic panic where we published for the first time in almost 30 years, this report called Are the Children Lying? That hmm. is related to the claims of uh, satanic ritualized abuse going back to the 70s, 80s and 90s. So I say on, all that to on say- that, On that note yeah, really quickly, I just want to make yeah. sure people think, I, I, I'm actually kind of blown away by how I mean, we see this everywhere today and in, in pretty much every topic that, that where the evidence is presented. It's about as clear as I've ever seen it in my lifetime. And yet nothing changes. People argue about it and it keeps going forward. So that, on that same note, you have done some great work on like this in particular, right? Releasing things like this that have never been before seen on the Internet. I, that's really important work that just gets no attention. I just it kind of blows me away. So I'll, I hope people will take the time to go through this information and look at these old reports. And the info, like the point being today is, is vindication, as far as I can tell, showing some of the things that have been disputed are now very clearly being vindicated. So I think hope people yeah. will think about that and go back through these other parts and realize how much of this story is very easily proven that is still being disputed. And, and then one more thing on that note, since you mentioned the Utah part of it, uh, his work did actually spin off into a specific focus just on uh, the Utah church, the, the uh, right here. Oh no, that's the same one. Do I not have the link for that? Oh, it's right here. And here's the page just for his focus investigations on the Mormon church, excuse me. And so I just want to include that as well, because that's that's its own extensive research we're not going to get into today. And there's multiple Thank parts you. of that. So go ahead. Derek. Yeah, that one that one does relate to the it, like I said, I mean, this this announcement in May 2022 that the Utah County Sheriff's was investigating ritualized child sexual abuse taking place in three different Utah counties going back over three decades. 
that led to you know this main investigation, which is what we're talking about today with the arrest of David D. Hamlin, this disgraced therapist who has been accused a number of different times, including right now, and charged uh, numerous felonies in different counties for uh, sodomy of children, rape of children, et cetera, that we're going to get into. But that led me down a road of people reaching out, people like yourself, maybe listening, sending us information. So we were able to publish that story that Ryan just showed, the uh, Are the Children Lying on the Internet for the first time? And that also led to the previous report there, Justice Delayed, which allowed us to publish an investigation to former Mormon church leader Gordon B. Hinckley, which had never been published on the Internet before either. So mm-hmm. definitely very proud of that work and hope more people will check that out. Um, so in terms of the updates with David Lee Hamblin, this man, again, you're going to have to go back if you want to get the full context. But as I mentioned, in May 2022, the Utah County Sheriff's says they're investigating claims of ritualized child sexual abuse. The next day, the local county attorney, David uh, Levitt, says that he has nothing to do with this. He's not a pedophile. He's not a um, cannibal. Neither is his wife. And everybody sort of wondered what the heck he was talking about. He then passed out a 150-page document to the local media. Myself and other journalists, we ended up getting a copy of this, and as well as plenty of other documents. And what it related to was a 2012 case against this therapist, David Lee Hamblin, the man we're talking about today, who now sits in prison and was just last week granted a $100,000 bail. He was arrested on similar charges in 2012. He had been admitted to abusing his own daughter, uh, several of his previous patients, Um, said he abused them. He also had lost his license in Utah. So there was plenty of evidence around this. But in 2014, that case against him was dismissed without prejudice, meaning it could be brought back as it has been now. Although the two cases are not identical, they're very related. Uh, And this was because not because the case wasn't dismissed for lack of evidence, but because the the prosecutor said that they were having trouble getting evidence and getting information about that they needed to prosecute this case. And because of that, they were eventually forced to release him uh, because they couldn't just hold him for nothing. And that was 2012. So it's those documents from that previous court case that myself and plenty of others were looking at. And I personally chose not to write about it because I didn't want to write about something that has only been accused of in court and the man was let go of. So for all we know, it could be totally false. And, you know, I don't want to be irresponsible. But so that's when my investigation began. But then in September of last year, 2022, they did finally arrest David Hamblin. And that's when we became aware that, yes, this is all focused on him. Again, not the same charges from 2012, at least not identical. New charges, new victims, et cetera, in multiple counties, but the same man. And um, so far, they're just alleging the sodomy, the rape of children from his role as a therapist, taking advantage of his patients. But again, in 2012, he had been accused of by one of his daughters and by several other people and detailed incidents of more than 150 pages of being involved with a network of people in the Utah area and these different counties that were conducting various forms of ritualistic abuse, including praying to or using the word Satan and Lucifer and stuff while doing the abuse. Um, make of that what you will. So that was in 2012. And now he's been held on, as you can see there, about seven different charges, six right there, six charges for um child abuse. And this is going on in multiple counties. And the thing about this latest announcement, Ryan, with this uh, bail hearing is that Hamlin, one judge had already, and I didn't report on this because I was kind of waiting to see how it developed, but Hamlin had already been given approval to get bail from one of the other judges in a different county. This hearing just last week was basically a second judge 
deciding if she agreed with that. And if she agreed with that, then ultimately that would allow him to get out because now both counties that are holding him on different charges have said, okay, yeah, we'll let him out on bail as opposed to one saying he can get out on bail. And okay, what's the point of that? Because the other one's still going to hold him right now. As of last week, this judge, Mandy Larson, um, said that he in Sam Pete County, Utah, said that he could be released on a hundred thousand dollar bail, either cash or bond. And there's multiple stipulations and things like that. But that's pretty much where it was. And you know, it, it is justice in one sense that he is behind bars at the moment. But as I quote in this article and as we can get into in a moment, uh many of the victims are not feeling any, you know, very safe right now, now that they know that he is potentially going to get out. Um he might not have that money himself, but in the past he has proven to be able to get out large sums of money. And in one case, this comes from our own reporting. Some of that money is coming from Eldon Talley, who is the uh, ex-husband of Kate Talley, who we've reported on previously in our mm-hmm. series, Kate's Story, who is a previous associate. So I say all that to say that Hamblin himself is a disgraced, broke, uh, wannabe medicine man who's accused of sexual abuse. Doesn't sound like he's got a lot of financial resources, but somehow he seems to come up with money and it seems to be that he does have wealthy friends. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really disconcerting to see, especially with the, you know, contrasting it with other types of crimes that are, you know, <laughs> cannabis charges seem to have more restrictions on whether people can leave. Like the idea that this person, whether a flight risk or not, is is, is at least accused and, and multiple, uh, you know, people in, close to him writing testimony about how he abused them and, and violently and otherwise that these that, that he's a risk to these people, you know, as well as the fact that the, the idea that this is a risk to other people that, you know, could be new victims and so on. Like, it just kind of blows my mind that this is even something that should be discussed. This kind of criminal, whether accused or not, should be, you know, well, I shouldn't say it like that. Like, accusations are one thing, but when you have that much evidence around the accusations, a judge should know better. And this really concerns me about why that was happening this way. I think everybody would probably be on the same page in in assuming that this kind of person would logically be be held because of the evidence and i wonder whether there's more going on there and to the to the money part of it i mean this you, like you're to your point there's a lot of obvious connections this person has to high level people and that's mm-hmm. concerning for this especially if that ties to as we know from things like the epstein conversation this is not just typically one person these are networks and that would be that would behoove them to keep this quiet you know so that that concerns me i agree and there are definitely um i'll say from some of the sources i've spoken to people close to this case um who feel like without evidence at the moment, but who are starting to get a feeling that there's something not right with this trial, which is what we suspected from the beginning, that that could be a possibility. We've been holding out hopes at the Utah County Sheriff's Office. They did their part, right? They made the arrest, but they're not the ones who prosecuted, right? So you still got attorneys, you still got the judges. There's plenty of other ways where corruption could seep in. And, and you know, if even if the well-intentioned cops made the arrest and are hoping more evidence comes out that they, you know, through their investigation, there's still other players in this. And so there have been some questions as to why David Hamblin, who was arrested in September, uh, it's been six months now. And at the hearing that I vir- attended virtually last week, the... Um, the prosecution, which includes the uh, Juop County and San Pete County attorneys, as well as the victims' attorneys, are still asking for di- the court for discovery to get documents related to the case, right? And so they are also they were in the hearing they were telling the judge, "We're asking you to hold him. Do not let him out because my victims are, um, you know, they're they're using they want to exercise their right to a speedy trial because 
I think this is probably everywhere, but I know for sure, based on my research, it's in Utah, that not only does the person who's been arrested and accused of a crime have a right to a speedy trial, which is our constitutional right, but the victims, the alleged victims have a right to say like, hey, I want a speedy trial. We can't drag this out for three years. Like, right. um, let's let's get you know down to it. And so the victim's attorneys were saying, hey, my victims are asking for a speedy trial. They don't want him to be let out and let's move straight to trial phase. Uh, so that we can get information out. But they were also discussing how they still need the discovery phase to get documents from related to just uh, Hamblin's uh, practices, his medicine, his alleged uh, healing circles and things like that. And for some reason that hasn't happened, even though he's been elected, he's been arrested for six months and that it could just be a slow process, right? The legal system moves sometimes very slow, but again, with somebody who has now 12, at least 12 different charges in multiple counties, for one of the worst crimes that anyone can think of, abusing a child, uh, not just one child, but many children, including his own children, right. uh, you would think that they would want to get to the bottom of this fairly quickly. And yeah, in terms of the the bail, the language was specifically that they had to prove that he was a current danger, not like, okay, well, he was a danger back in the 90s or he was a danger back in the 2000s, and that the community, that there was clear and... Um, reasonable evidence that he would be a current danger so a lot of it hinged on like those specific terms that they kind of kept debating around the judges like you've proven that he was a danger in the past but you can't necessarily prove that he's a danger now and there was even talk of how in one of the other counties one of the other victims in the previous bail hearing that i mentioned she told the judge or through her lawyer told the judge that she had been threatened and followed multiple times since coming forward and speaking out about this case but the judge in in this case basically said that Quote, I'm not one to disagree with Judge Griffin, who's from Utah County, with his ruling that there's no evidence that Hamblin was behind these alleged threats to other victims. Um, so ultimately, she's like, you can't prove that he threatened anybody or that his, you know, somebody connected him, threatened anybody. You can't prove he's a current danger to the community right now. There's not clear and re- reasonable evidence of such. So I'm granting him this bail. One, one problem I have, we live in a society right now that is like, timidly stepping around the concept of anything that was deemed conspiracy theory, even whether they realize it or not, like subject, like a, a subconscious concern that, you know, certain things like from a judge's perspective, there, there is an obvious history that this story has been suppressed, hidden. I mean, th- that's what's being proven right now. And I, I do want to get into that part of it. Like the idea that you have not just the testimony from his own children and so on about how they were abused, but the charges coming from police going back a long time, as we've discussed, and then being shut down and dismissed. And even on the record at the time, people writing that it wasn't that it was dismissed because of lack of evidence, but uh, but, you know, different factors. And so yet again, it comes back around. And so so from a judge's perspective, there has to be a, a consideration to the idea that there is an effort. Go ongoing to keep this suppressed, which then puts these people right in the crosshairs. Like that's not conspiracy theory. There's really evidence behind this discussion. Now that you can debate whether that's clear and reasonable evidence, but from from you know at the end of the day, it's about keeping people safe, right? And so this just seems irrational to me, and I really do question whether there's other influences here, or rather just that they're so afraid to be deemed conspiratorial, or however this goes today, that they're unwilling to acknowledge the obvious right in front of us. Yeah, it is very difficult to not kind of suspect that there's something going on. And I'll say, and this is, it could be my own bias, but I think it's a factor that is hard to ignore, which is that Utah, nearly every person in that state is part of the Mormon church in one way or another, including judges, politicians, attorneys, cops, you know? So again, not saying that every Mormon is incapable of being of 
calling out somebody in their community or that they can, you know, are they incapable of being impartial or anything like that. But to act as if that couldn't be a factor is also right. silly too. So, I mean, I think that's something we need to consider. And in terms of uh, the abuse in this, this specific bail hearing, this new one that we're talking about, this was the second set of charges uh, against David Hamblin in uh, San Pete County, specifically in Spring City. And this young boy, who's now an adult, said that he was abused uh, during his therapy sessions with Hamblin. And I just want to read a couple of sentences just so people, for the sake of just hearing the victim's voice. Um, he said that Hamblin made him masturbate him during their, their therapy sessions. He said Hamblin forcibly abused him. Uh, he said that he would administer religious blessings during some of these therapy sessions, which is where some of that uh, ritualized element comes in. And the victim also said that he did disclose the abuse back then when he was a child. Exactly. And this is specifically from the Utah County Sheriff's Office press release, quote, but that the concerns expressed were not taken seriously because of Hamblin's standing both in the Spring City community and his standing and membership and involvement in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So again, to act like that doesn't have isn't a factor where the, a victim is saying like, hey, I came forward, I spoke out. And because of who he is and his place in the church, nobody wanted to hear me. And then indeed, in that same bail hearing, the Juop County attorney, Ryan Peters, uh, and this is all in the article, he confirmed this. He said, the victim, quote, has been telling people his entire life about the abuse he suffered. He even said that the victim's sister and mother provided testimony to the attorney saying that, like, yes, he was telling people about this when he was a kid. So because in what point you could hear the uh, Hamblin's attorneys uh, our attempt to argue that this was like the recovered memory kind of thing that they like mm -hmm. to dismiss, like, oh, this is just people making things up yeah. after the fact or whatever the case. But in this particular case, they're saying, no, this this victim has been telling people for decades and nobody wanted to listen. Yeah. And now here we are. So just which, wanted to make that clear. Which brings to mind the, <clears throat> excuse me, the are the children lying documentary part of this, right? Where, uh, you know, th this part of the story I found most telling because, this is something that was dismissed back then under the same concept. Right. And, and this was something that was suppressed and not. And, and also that people were the people that actually gave this as well as the other video that were that was given to you personally, that the actual, you know, in your hand video that we've, you know, that, that we have released, that people were threatened because of that. That they were got they got emails and threats and personal you know people stalking them like there's so many the, the evidence in this discussion is very clear to me you know you can argue that maybe Hamlin isn't personal I think from a judge's I said I already made the point I just it kind of blows me away that these people are not obviously recognizing the long term problem that's been here it's and I, I again the fact that they're tied back to the the central power there it's the same thing as realizing that they have concerns about the the standing government whether it's utah locally or the federal government for a larger perspective it's the same game that gets played these judges consider these things that'd be my point i just think that it's very obvious this has been suppressed for one reason or another for a very long time and the whole satanic panic part of it too is just an easy way to shut down these kind of you know i would argue provable allegations yeah and i want to say one other thing on that before we get to the um how the victims responded to this latest bail hearing on the um the are the children lying Again, please, please, please do go read that and check out the interview Ryan I did afterwards, including the Are the Children Lying actual report. But I want to say that the initial impetus, the reason I did that uh, report and the reason it's called Reexamining the uh, Satanic Panic is because you might remember, Ryan, right before that, ABC News had put out two essentially hit pieces um, about the you know Satanic Panic. is QAnon is the Satanic Panic 2.0. But they put out one specifically that was looking at this case and dismissing it as 
the QAnon sheriff in Utah, when, you know, we're talking with the, the sheriff's office through their public uh, information officer, and he's saying, like, this is disgraceful that a mainstream media outlet is calling us QAnon when we are simply following up leads and doing investigations based on what people are telling us, what information and, and information that's checking out, right? So mm-hmm. that report, in addition to looking at the satanic panic and, and providing the first internet recording of are the children lying? It's actually the first half is kind of a debunking of like, look, here's what the propagandists are saying. And I do want to mention this just for future. Stay tuned for this whenever the time is right. I ended up doing an interview. I was interviewed by the NBC News senior reporter who wrote that report, who I mentioned in that article. Her name is Brandy Zadronsky. She's a former librarian. And she seems to have taken on this role of basically trying to debunk conspiracy theories. If you look up her on Twitter or anywhere else, that's like what she focuses and obsessed on. I was interviewed privately by her and an NBC News producer about my work on the David Hamlin case. They very much were trying to downplay it. And I recorded the entire interview for myself. I have chosen not to release it yet. I'm waiting to see what they write, if it's about me or mm-hmm. if it's about this case. But definitely, you know, we'll update T-Lab as soon as we, we know when that's coming out. I just want to mention that. I think we can all um, assume it's going to be at the very least selectively edited. I mean, that's just that's what they do. But <laughs> call me biased. Yeah. <laughs> And that's that's why I recorded the entire thing, because there's some really, really, really powerful statements made in there. And I mean, powerful in the sense of like when you hear the way that this woman, again, the NBC senior news reporter who's probably being paid 10 times what we'll make Ryan in a year Mm -hmm. uh, is just the logic or lack of logic and the way that they operate laid out and bare is is very astounding. So, yeah, please look for that. Um, But I wanted to move to uh, the the victims, because one really interesting thing is that. There has been some organization taking place. There are um, uh, victims and I guess just people who are following this case who actually organized a protest at the courthouse um, in Utah during this bail hearing. Now, the bail hearing was in person, but it I think it there were some people that were able to be in the courtroom with the judge. But Hamlin himself was was remote. He was like kept in another room, but you could watch it virtually. But people showed up in person. They had signs and posters. And I was unable to get some some pictures for this um, for this article, because most of them wanted to remain anonymous, which you could understand people are concerned about, you know, being targeted for protesting this, but people wanted to go out there and express their voices. And, and even in the courtroom, apparently were holding signs. And interesting thing too, Ryan, on the bail hearing, the virtual bail hearing, somebody, uh, because it's, I don't know how they can have such like moronic systems in 2023, but it's not Zoom. It's some other kind of system that you log into, but apparently the court has no control over muting anybody. So at some point, somebody like unmuted themselves and said, uh, I want to make a point. And the judge is like, uh, who's speaking? And then basically, you know, they found who they kicked them out. And then people were doing different things like changing their names, like you can on Zoom or whatever to, we all know what he did. David Hamlin's guilty, just all this kind of stuff, you know, and, and so there was different forms of protest taking place during the hearing. And I thought that was uh, interesting to see. I have a couple and, of quick questions for you. Yeah, go, yeah. Ahead. go ahead. Finish your point. No, I was just gonna, I was just going to dive into the other thing. So go. Oh, OK, me. good. Yeah. Just a couple quick points. One, just on a side note, which is just hilarious to me. Like I hate it's it's not the right. It's not like the you shouldn't laugh at the circumstance because this is not a situation to laugh about. But you have to, you know, in a facetious or in a macabre way, like laugh about how ridiculous these people are. These are people that are running, you know, running governments or running the country or, you know, whatever state authority. And we're we're being driven into a technocratic world and they can't even figure out how to manage these really basic systems. And I think it's so funny because, you know, we've been driven to this because of the way they've been operating. And so we've been doing this for a long time. And so even like during COVID, we, we saw all these people that are like, 
you know, so confused about how the system, their Zoom calls and unmuting or catching themselves in weird, precarious things. I just, I, I love it. I really do. Because it shows you how ridiculous these people truly are. At, you know, anyway, the point I wanted to I point think, out that, go ahead, go ahead. I'm coming. I was just saying, I think it is important just because sometimes people get tra- uh, in this trap of thinking the technocratic state is omnipotent or omniscient when really it's like, it's still being, as far as we know, ran by humans at the moment who are very cumbersome and not necessarily tech savvy. So maybe they're not, yeah always all as powerful as we might think it's always a good point to make i think it really comes down to that we overrepresent who that who is in this all and you know if there is an omnipotent group it's very it's not the size of the government right there's a i think most people in the government are less informed than most of us i i really like the media same thing they just they buy the bs you know but uh, back to the point how do you think these people found out about this other than the people that are aware of the story because they've been engaged with it or are are, are personally affected by allegations or, you know, or, or, you know, what happened to people in their family, where did this protest come from? Because the corporate media is not really covering this. Where, how do they know? It's from myself, from Jenny Hatch, who's another um, woman who does blogs following this. And there's another investigator that I'm going to mention in just a moment after we talk about the victims who goes by, he's on Substack, uh, he or she, I don't know. Uh, 1830 Goel or Joel, who appears to be another person who's in Utah in the Mormon church, but is, you know, doesn't support this kind of stuff. Obviously they, between the three of us, I think we're the ones trying to keep up with it. And, uh, and I actually heard about some of the bail hearings through those two people I mentioned. And that's how I was. And then of course, talking with Kate, who is, uh, gave our story. She's following very closely as well. So yeah, the, other than some of the victims who are being kept apprised by lawyers or just keeping their ear to, you know, any news. And even there really wasn't, as far as I could see, any local news reporting about Hamlin's bail right. hearing, which is kind of surprising because we had been seeing Adam Herberts, for example, local guy in Utah and others stay on this case, but they didn't appear to do any updates with this latest hearing. Well, anything. I mean, it's like whether, whether it's a blurb or not. I mean, this is a, a high stand, a person with standing. People know who this person is who's being arrested for child. I mean, how that's not covered in local media is mind blowing. I think actually very telling. That'd be that'd be my opinion. But um, if you wanted to get on to, um, I, I yeah, I want to go ahead. Go ahead. I would just want to get to the victims, just mm-hmm. the statements from Kate, and just to mention a couple things like that. That's pretty much all I wanted to say before I wrap up and share what uh, another piece of the puzzle that I learned from from Goel. Joel, okay. go ahead. Um, so this, so this last part of this new article here, as I was saying, like the victims, their attorneys, both the victims in San Pete and Joab County, and then even Kate, who is not directly tied to this case but i will say from sources i've spoke with she and others were interviewed by police investigators asking them how would you feel if david hamblin was released so clearly there are people going around and talking to the victims or alleged victims at the moment uh to find out their feelings and i thought this statement here was really powerful this is heidi nestle who's one of the attorneys that was speaking in the courtroom she's representing some of the victims and she was trying to tell the judge that like look we, sh- we should not let him out of jail because he poses a risk to, to children and she said mm-hmm. uh including his own daughter she said quote having that kind of that proclivity and that propensity is something that doesn't just go away it would be an absolute travesty if Mr. Hamlin were released and another child was abused. And I think that is important that if this man's got decades worth of accusations against him, lost his medical license, his own children say he abused them, all kinds of things. Like that's not, we, we can see. And, and I think the psychology shows that like when somebody's mind goes in that direction, it does something to people when they become an abuser or they've been abused themselves. Like it doesn't just stop. 
So that to me is like that, that I don't know, just the fact that the judge is making clearly she's going to make her own decision either way. But I was glad that that statement got on the record and, and add really quickly. The point would be that even if it's not true allegations, you could still argue that a person would be would be, you know, it, in driven to take action against somebody who potentially could put them in prison. I mean, there's a lot of you know examples. I, I think that the, the idea that it's even possible that a child could be abused. That answers your question right there, whether, you know, whether I get I actually I understand like the reasonable doubt, like the, the evidence needs to be there. But again, sure. I think that is there based on all the history. And then the concern here, I, I just don't see how any judge could rule to let this person be out personally. I mean, evidence and just personal morals. But again, my opinion, go ahead. Yeah. And then we had Brian Peters, who's the Juab County attorney. He was sort of backing up the statement as well. And he said, quote, I will note that Mr. Hamlin has actually written a book on how to manipulate children. I would also note that since giving up his license, the defendant has engaged what he calls healing circles involving the use of peyote. And that mm -hmm. we, as we reported before about these healing circles through our story about Kate, this is largely how Kate was introduced to it through her ex-husband. She was somebody who said she was abused in the Mormon church, tried to seek help, didn't get help from the church, then through some friends. And eventually, you know, her husband was turned to like, hey, go to these healing circles with David Hamblin and started to kind of become aware of the whole thing. And we also know that he, Hamblin apparently gave his young daughters uh, uh, peyote during... Uh, like when they were kids and this was this was discovered during his divorce proceedings so clearly again there's there's evidence of behavior of continuing to practice getting together with people healing circles therapy sessions whatever you want to call them and this is often where the abuse takes place and and it's important to point out for those that aren't familiar with that substance it's a very, very potent, high level hallucinogen. And the point being is that this is, I mean, you might as well consider this to be like a roofie, right? Like realistically speaking, if we're talking about an adult who has designs to abuse somebody, to give them peyote at any level is going to incapacitate them to the point to where they're not even aware of what's happening to, I mean, Definitely. to a degree. It's debatable, but I mean, that's, that's it'll definitely alter their mind. And if it's exactly. not something they're used to, and especially if you're in the sort of the guidance of somebody, they yes. could definitely you know manipulate the situation to say the least yeah. um and i got a really powerful quote from kate again we've mentioned kate's story several times it's linked in this article i do encourage you guys that this is just a short dipping in our toes in this story interview here we've done so much more work over the last 10 months now and if you don't know about this if you haven't read the side stories about kate's story or the justice delayed investigation to the mormon church or watch the uh, are the children lying video please go do that work and share it out there because it's important and we, we published Kate's story, two-part story, uh, last year. Again, she was abused within the Mormon church uh, as a child, she says, and then didn't find any help within the church, eventually became associated with Hamblin and suffered abuse at, her, at the hands of her ex-husband under the guidance of David Hamblin, who basically told him how to abuse her and what to do. And Kate said, quote, I'm disappointed that Hamblin will be let out on such a low bail. I know many of his victims are feeling unsafe and afraid right now. It's heartbreaking. I'm sad today, but tomorrow I will fight on for so many who have been harmed by David Lee Hamblin and his accomplices. She said that she was encouraged to see that there were protesters there and other people watching online and that she's hoping that the supporters can, quote, bring awareness to this case and hopefully justice will be served. So, again, some of the victims a little disheartened at this news, but trying to hold on for potentially, you know, seeing him really put away for life. And, and hopefully, again, as she said, those accomplices, that's what we're still waiting to see is if there are going to be more arrests. The Utah County Sheriff's Office has made statements at different points over the last year indicating that there would be more arrests, 
but we have yet to see any and you know we'll we'll have to wait and see yeah it's 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 a i mean we, we can only continue down this path and do everything we can to get this exposed and i think that's what you're doing and the work itself is is, is doing a lot of that but it's just frustrating that we can be here at a moment where you know like like just taking this back to and we can end on this the, the point <clears throat> from the beginning where you know you as you know and you've spoken about this there are people online attacking you you're conspiracy theorist this isn't real you don't understand you know you don't know what you're talking about and you know and this is about the the very point that he's even involved and then of course then he gets you know arrested oh okay well no it's it's all hype it's all politics and okay well now he's being charged it's like okay what point do we stop and go there's enough evidence that all of this is justified to the point to where the charges are now being laid down now yes you could argue that even with valid charges and evidence that a lawyer can get people off we know that happens so you, we just have to stand back and realize that, you know, to this point, you're already vindicated in, in the in the investigation, the discussions around this person and, and that you know anybody else that's been trying to expose this is also vindicated because the police have the evidence. Right. This is the, you know, this is an indictment. They're charging them for these things. I just think that's really it, it really does open this up. And I think we need to no matter which way this goes, realize that there's enough here and that, that these things are suppressed. I mean, all, look at the, I mean, do we really, can we really look at the Epstein discussion, how long that went, how long it was suppressed, how many people are involved, every media apparatus looking the other way. And then, oh yeah, now we see it because now we have to see it. You know, it's, this stuff happens everywhere. And I think we see that. And I think your work has done a really good job encapsulating this for people. I just, my point really is just make sure you understand that this is bigger than this one person. And it always has been. And it, and that's why it gets shut down by people that may have a vested interest. And if that's what's happening, keeping it shut down. I agree. I think that there's there's examples of that. I'm going to end with one more thing. I just wanted to mm-hmm. mention this. Just This is just a thread for those of you out there who maybe do want to dive deeper into this research. Uh, this is coming from the Substack I mentioned uh, from Go L. Is It's just called Investigations and Ritual Abuses, his kind of uh, Substack name. Nice and this is... Yeah, and this so he's been doing some great work. I pers- I don't know him personally. We've spoken a few times. Uh, we're he- we're we're going down similar threads. I will say that while we have reported on the 2012 documents, and I have copies of them and all that stuff, the reason I haven't done deep dives, which is what he's doing, exploring those documents, is because again, none of those other people have been charged yet. Mm. They they should be investigated based on these claims of these victims, which are extremely detailed and graphic and difficult to imagine a child making these things up over 150 different incidents of abuse, describing rape, sodomy, murder, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but he is going down those rabbit holes. And there are some interesting things. I've chosen not to do that yet until we can more solidly say, hey, these people are now like with Hamblin. Now he's arrested, he's charged, like you're saying. But he does follow some really important threads here. And so what he's covering here in this post called The Unbelievably Good Luck of David Lee Hamblin is how in 1999 was when Hamblin and his wife, uh, who was, again, accused of uh, being involved in the, the ritual abuse, him and his wife started to get a divorce. And there's what they call the custody order and findings of fact, uh, which is relate, related to the divorce proceedings. And so he goes into some of that. There's just one little part I want to mention that where he mentions this officer. He says the custody orders finding of fact uh, contradict previous Provo police reports. Okay, we'll skip that part. He says right here, Detective Donald Groth asked uh, reported speaking to the Department of Children and Family Services caseworker Ann Hendrickson on April 27, 2000. She told him she conducted a full investigation. So this detective with the uh, Utah Sheriff's Office, I believe, uh, was involved in this ongoing divorce proceeding, which 
led to the accusations is that David Hamlin had abused his own kids. This is how we know about that because it came out in the divorce proceedings. So then, of course, the state gets involved. This cop gets involved. And this uh, detective, Donald Groth, had been investigating, reporting. There's We found, uh, Goel found numerous reports showing that um, he was looking into this. And it's just one of these things where he ends up dying in a river, allegedly fishing by himself. Uh, with so at August 25, 25, 2005, this is a few years after, but he apparently was still investigating it, was found floating face down in the Provo River underneath the I-15 overpass, a fishing pole in hand. He had retired in the summer of 2003, uh, supposedly to pursue a career in music. He was only 39 years old. So he had retired. But what, what Goel is claiming and what it appears to be is that he was still actively investigating this case. We don't know what he found or what you know, there might be. So that's why I haven't really covered deeper than this. But to what you were saying a moment ago, that if there are, if this network involving Hamlin does reach all the way up to, say, the top levels of the Mormon church or other influential people, like, for example, David Levitt, his brother being the former governor of Utah, if they have involvement, there would clearly be people wanting to cover this up. Do you, does it say how what was the ruling on his death? If he just got found cause in the water? of cause of death was ruled an accident. Here I can open that too as well. And then the interesting, he found this other article. Captain Rick Healy stated that growth, the officer, had something on his forehead, but did not specify any other details. But here's the obituary, Donald James Growth, and I'll just do a quick find. Don died accidentally while fly fishing in the Provo River. That's kind of what the official and right here, body found in Provo River. This is 2005. Let's see if it just says he had something on his head. This is the report he's claiming that. So, yeah, Provo Police Captain Rakili says the man is 39-year-old Donald James Growth. He was found just 7 a.m. in the morning by a teenage girl. He was found with a fishing pole in his hand. He was believed to be fishing. It appears to be accidental, you know, this and that. So, man, I just don't see how, you know, it's so the argument is they don't know, right? Like you're just going to say it's accidental. Well, what's the accident then? What happened? Right. I mean, there, what, what was the cause of death? Did he drown? You mean, that's I think that's really probably weird. what they're saying. Ac- accidental drowning. Right. I, but they didn't say that though. Did it? Like, I find it really strange. Just accident. Yeah. Right. I mean, that, that matters, man. Like, especially with the conversations today with like the vac, you know, did, you know, sudden death. And it's just like really cryptic. And you're like, there's not even like a discussion of what was the cause. Like that is abnormal for what we used to see reporting as. And that to me today suggests they're at least trying to tiptoe around that conversation. Right. To this, you don't write accident without at least suggesting that. I mean, the point is at least that Kurt, that coverage of that moment may not have known, but I don't know. I just, you know, call me a conspiracy theorist. Plenty do. I think it's definitely concerning to see that that's that that's very like, you know, Epstein didn't kill himself, Clinton body count kind of style. And that just concerns yeah. me. You know? And at the moment, I can't say that that, you know, that the two things are related, but right, again, just right. when, when you investigate, this is just how it looks Right, you start to gather facts. And here's a data point. One of the cops investigating him died in an accident in the river around the same time or within a couple of years, right. he was retired. So maybe it's totally unrelated, right? Uh, we don't know. But when you start to exactly. paint these pictures as with Epstein and people were saying years ago, Hey guys, there's all this weird stuff going on. So mm-hmm. we will continue to follow this story. We will continue to ask the hard questions guys for you. And the next hearing that I know coming up related to um, Hamblin is May 11th, I believe. Uh, I don't believe he's posted bail yet. So I will also update if there's news on him actually being out. Um, so yeah, that's where it's at yeah. right now. Well, thank you for your work, man. And I'll just make a note about that in general that, <clears throat> you know, we, we all have confirmation bias or we all act with confirmation bias at different times. We have our biases as we all. I mean, I, my my point being is in that point, you know, I, I definitely have my opinions about this and I'm going to look for I look for it. But I also 
counterbalance that with, as you pointed out, that we do know that we don't know that, right? It's, we have to be objective about that, despite that being something that I suspect. We all have things we suspect. Exactly. You know, just to make that clear, that people may point out that I'm, you know, that I'm like clearly have my mind made up, but I'm, we all, we all have that. We just have to be able to stand back, even with strong opinions, and go, but I could be wrong. That's the part that doesn't happen as much today. So thank you for your work, man. And I really, I really, I'm glad to see, I'm going to look more into this other individual as well. And hopefully we can, you know, point out more of that work and just uh, glad to see that you're continuing to focus on this because this is obviously important. And I, I'm actually kind of shocked that it has as little coverage as it does for how long this has continued, even the most current phase of this investigation. And yet still there's, is there any corporate coverage like national that you can no. see? Man, Not other than the NBC news making fun of it. Yeah, which which speaks volumes. So thanks, brother. Thanks for being here. And I uh, look forward to yep. talking to you about this in the future. Yeah, I'll just mention one more thing. If anybody's keeping up with the fluoride story, the next hearing on that is April 10th. So there'll be an article after that. Outstanding. Outstanding. All right. Well, thank you, brother. And as always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.